glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the room wide already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the point of Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud members of the Full Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at Sports Fanatic MB on Twitter. You can find my illustrious co host, Mr. Dennis Bennett, at Culture underscore Coach on Twitter. And then our new co host joining us every Thursday, Mr. Matthew Fox at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. Again, we are proud to be members of the Fantasy, full-time fantasy podcast network who has amazing podcasts such as Jim Day of the FF Champs who just joined SI, which is just awesome for them, Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto of SiriusXM, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, the IDT Tipsters, Dwayne McFarlane, Blake Sullivan, and many other great podcasts. And you can find all of these on fulltimefantasy.com. Tons of great fantasy advice and content for all the different leagues and types that you guys want to play in. Check it out to get all of your podcasting and fantasy news there. For today's episode, we are going to be talking about everything preseason week three. All of the games, we are going to touch on storylines and players that we want to see and certain things we want to see out of this week's games. While we know not all of the starters will be playing due to some being injured and teams really just wanting to keep their players healthy for the start of the 2019 season. There's a couple things that me, Dennis, and Matt want to see throughout this hopeful last game of starters. So we're going to touch on that and what we're hoping will we'll, we'll kind of shake out for the 2019 season so we get some idea of some of these players. So we've been talking about many a times here, but we're going to tell you guys one more, not even one more time, multiple more, multiple more times as we are getting closer and closer to the Fantasy Football World Championships, September 5th through 8th. The Fantasy Football Roundtable, me and Dennis, will be recording live from Radio Row at the FFWC on September 6th and 7th at the Palms Resort in Las Vegas. We will be doing live Twitter stuff, live Facebook stuff, and broadcasting some of the drafts for the Sharks. The big names in the industry will all be there for the Fantasy Football World Championships, and so will we. We cannot wait. We will uh, have two podcasts going that weekend. We'll talk everything going on there, give you guys kind of an inside look at what some of the industry people do there in Vegas. It is going to be a ton of fun. Before we bring Dennis and Matt on here to talk about preseason week three, I want to remind you guys, if you guys are following me on Twitter, give us a rate, review, and subscribe. You will see that I have a signed Penn State Saquon Barkley jersey up for, I I should, I guess, actually say free. All you have to do is rate or review. You don't have to do both. You can do one or the other, or you can do both. But if you do do it, rate, review the podcast, please DM the shot to me of you doing it because a lot of you guys, um, there's been a couple of five together, five altogether so far, 
that have done it and then not DM'd me or sent me the picture of it and you didn't put your Twitter handles in uh, the review, so I don't know who you are. And I would love to get you entered so you have a chance to win this jersey. Uh, but if you do do that again, please DM me the picture of it so that I can get you entered. I will give you a number and then we will do the drawing ro- live on the podcast Monday. And this will keep you entered throughout the season. I'm going to do a monthly jersey giveaway. Mostly college players as I love Debbie and love college football so it'll be a mixture of current college players and players who were studs obviously that were in college that are now in the NFL and and we'll be doing those jersey giveaways once a month. Once you are entered, you will remain in that pool until you win. If you win the Saquon Barkley jersey, I will pull you out uh, because I don't necessarily want you not, not that it's necessarily me, but I don't think it would be quite fair for you in the Saquon Barkley jersey and then like the next three if that randomly happens because I'm literally just going to put the numbers in the computer and randomly generate a number on there. So we will pull you out of it once you win a jersey and then maybe next season when we do another giveaway thing, we'll enter you all back in there because I'm going to keep all of your information saved. So I do appreciate anybody who takes the time to do that uh, because it does mean a lot for me and Dennis and it really helps us out. uh, And So we really do appreciate that. Without further ado, Let's go ahead and get Dennis and Matt on here so we can talk about preseason week three. Hello! And as always, we have Mr. Dennis Bennett with us. Dennis, what's going on and how you doing today? Well, the rain has come back here in central Ohio, but it's cooled it off into the mid-70s. And it's beautiful football weather. Ohio State plays in two days, even though they're playing a nobody. I can't hardly wait for fo- real football to start. Oh, I know. I cannot. I, I'm right there with you. That uh, week zero, as they're calling it right now, the the Miami Florida game is. I cannot wait just to, to see as you just put it. Real football come back on this weekend is going to feel. It's just. It's going to be so nice. So so nice. And we also have Mr. Matthew Fox joining us again. The, uh, he will be joining us throughout the season every Monday and Thursday at the moment. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing good as well. We got uh, some rainstorms actually that came through yesterday and then today, so we dropped back uh, to the 70s too. So it's uh, nice weather all around, it sounds like. I'm excited to watch some games, third week of the preseason, almost getting so much closer to the regular season. Well, I mean, speak for yourself on the nice weather. It's like still a hundred plus here in Texas, so I don't, I don't, I don't consider that nice. I would, I would give anything right now for some 70 degree weather outside. Just down there in the south cooking analysts. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Well, I don't know. See, when we had uh, Ray on the episode that unfortunately will never make air because I stupidly accidentally deleted it, uh, he loves this heat for some reason. I don't understand what's wrong with that guy. I mean, he's a great analyst, but heat, no, 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 no. Give me the cold all day long every day because you can, you can warm yourself up by putting on a sweatshirt. You cannot cool yourself down unless, well, you know, you, you I guess, strip down, and I can't really do that at my job, so... Yeah, it's frowned upon in most workplaces, I think. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate, though. We should really, I wish we could live in a world where that wasn't frowned upon. But enough about, about stripping down and everything. Tonight starts week three of the preseason, which for most teams is the dress rehearsal. Most teams will send out most of their starters for at least an entire half and get these guys playing, running all their plays and everything and getting ready for week one of the preseason, or week one of the preseason, week one of the regular season because most of these guys, again, will not play in week four. So that is what we were going to spend today's episode doing. We are going to go through every single game on the docket for this weekend. 
we will talk about some of the interesting storylines for each team, what we'd like to see out of them before moving on to, well, some different content next week since really preseason week four we won't have much to talk about because a lot of that's just going to be guys for the back end of the roster getting playing time. So let's go ahead and kick it right off with the first game going tonight. We eating all day, bro. <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals. So for me on the Bengals side, there is not much that I feel like needs to be talked about. Uh, if either one of you has something you want to talk about with the Bengals, feel more than free to chime in after I ask you guys this question about the Giants. The biggest question for me is Daniel Jones. He's looked very good in both preseason games. Can I understand it is the, it is only the preseason. But I want to ask you guys a little bit of an over-under question to see how much maybe you believe in Daniel Jones or you believe in Eli Manning. How many starts does Daniel Jones get this season over-under at seven? We'll kick it off with Dennis and then move over to Matt. Well, I can see it going a couple different ways. So the, I think seven is a good number to put the over-under at. But I also could see it being two or three because they're playing decent. The O-line starts to come together. You've got Saquon Barkley. Uh, Evan Ingram should be good. So if they're playing well, I don't think they're going to play Jones. And so I could see it being... You know, just a couple games as easily as I could see it being, you know, 10, 12, or even 14 if Eli comes out of the gate and really looks bad, struggles. Um, so over, under, I'm going to go under. I feel like the Giants have an opportunity to surprise and uh, will be a little better. I don't, you know, I don't think they make the playoffs, but I do think that they will be competitive this year. So I'm going to put it in under. I think that they're going to – Gettleman is stubborn enough to say, I'm going to show you guys Eli still got it. He's still my guy. I'm going to let him play, and then we'll move on at a later date. Uh, I'm going to go under as well. Um, I think whether or not he even plays at all is going to come down to how the Giants are faring in the season. But, I mean, we talked – I heard Dennis talk a little bit about – what if Eli starts slow and looks bad? You know, will there be a lot of pressure? There might be a little bit, but he has some built-in excuses right off the bat. Golden Tate's suspended for four games. So, uh, you know, Sterling Shepard working himself back from injury. They really don't have much in terms of receivers. Um, I could see him not playing very well uh, for a while and then still saying, well, you know, we don't have all the pieces. We don't have all the weapons. And we've seen in the past what happens when you when you try to get ready to pull the plug on Eli Manning and take him out. That uh, last time he got benched, it lasted I believe one game, and then they put him back. Uh, I think if the Giants are out of the playoff race as we're getting down the stretch, last four or five games, I could see uh, them putting in Daniel Jones. But if you're talking about 
seven or more games. That's almost half a season. I think that's probably a little too optimistic. All right, very interesting. I, I honestly thought both of you might go over. Uh, Dennis, before we move on, I want to ask you, because uh, I've actually heard a lot of people starting to, to jump on this train of optimism for the Giants. Again, not necessarily that they're going to be a playoff team, but they're actually going to be much better than people are giving them credit for. How good do you think they can be? Are we talking 500, just under 500? Or you just think they're going to be better than, I think they were 4-12 and 12 or something last year, just better than the 4-12 and 12 they were last year? I think that they have Jeff Fisher and potential. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You know, the Bengals, though, you know, the Bengals have have a bunch of guys uh, on the bench tonight. Um, you know, they lost. Oh, Travion Williams is dinged up. He's not going to play. So it might be a good shot tonight to get a little peek at Rod, uh, Rodney Anderson. Yeah, Rodney Anderson, Oklahoma. For some re- yeah, for some reason, Rodney didn't seem like his first name. Anyways, Rodney Anderson, uh, you know, with A.J. Green out, they'll be playing some of their young wide receivers. Malone and Tate have been looking pretty good. Alex Erickson. Um, So Finley could get some extended run and Dalton some extended run tonight. Uh, Finley's looked pretty good. And then uh, offensive guard Christian Westerman, who had retired about 10 days ago, uh, is back with the team. So he's out tonight, but that could bode well for their offensive line depth. Yeah, I would. I'd be interested to see if Anderson plays. I know. I know. Last they talked about him at least starting the season on the pup list. But uh, as you know, with with all the the preseason stuff we've talked about, Anderson has been one of my favorite guys. And I talked about many times. I, I think he would have easily been the the RB one of this class had he not torn his ACL uh, last year for Oklahoma. So I'd love to be able to see some run out of him. Uh, he's a guy that I've grabbed in a ton of leagues this year because I think he has the few. He is or at least has a chance to be a future star in Cincinnati. The next game we have here for tonight is between the Washington Redskins and the Atlanta Falcons. Really interesting quarterback shape battle shaping up here in Washington between Dwayne Haskins and Case Keenum. We keep hearing that Keenum is is winning the job, but then I keep seeing news stories and, and interviews from t- players on the Redskins team talking about how good Dwayne Haskins looks. Now, I, I can see it from both sides here. Jay Gruden, who's probably considered to be on the hot seat in Washington, wanting to start Case Keenum and try and help keep his job. However, I do think if he started Dwayne Haskins and Haskins struggled, he might be able to keep his job even then saying, hey, well, I'm trying to I'm throwing the rookie out there to see what he can do, and maybe they'll give him a chance to groom him. How do you guys see this Washington Redskins quarterback battle ending? And if, for instance, you do think Keenum ends up the starter week one, how long do you think it goes before Haskins gets in there? Uh, I think they probably will start the season with Case Keenum, but if we were doing that same over-under number of seven, for Haskins, I would go over for Dwayne Haskins. I don't think the Redskins are going to be a very good team this season, and I don't think uh, anything about Case Keenum or Colt McCoy suggests that they're the future for that franchise. Uh, Daniel Snyder has been all about Dwayne Haskins, uh, moved up in the draft, wanted to get him, got him. I'm sure he's going to be agitating for him to play, especially if Washington starts out slow, which I figure they will. Case Keenum is a fine veteran, but we've seen, you know, having lived through the experience with Denver last year, he's uh, basically just a journeyman guy. He's not the future of that franchise. He's on one year left on his contract. I think we will see Haskins sooner rather than later. 
the the challenge I think Washington has, they start off with a pretty tough schedule. They have the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Bears, and the Patriots in four of their first five games. So that that's pretty daunting, I think, for a rookie. Uh, and, and so they may want to try to preserve some of his uh, confidence by letting Keenum go out there in those games and then inserting Haskins in week six against the Dolphins. Uh one of the big issues that Washington needs to resolve is the whole Trent Williams thing. Yeah. He's still holding tight to that. I'm not coming back because I don't like you guys and I don't trust you guys, so I'm not gonna play. And if, you know, that's a that's a top tier left tackle. And when you you know, Haskins moves around a little bit, but by no means is he a runner. And so uh, having that blind side well protected, especially when you've got uh you know, a 97 year old Adrian Peterson and uh, com- coming off a, a knee reconstruction, uh, Darius Geis in your backfield, the perpetually dinged up Chris Thompson. And then you've got a whole bunch of question marks at wide receiver. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I, I can see them kind of letting, you know, seeing how it gels before they stick him in there. But at seven games, I, I'd put the, I'd put the, the number at the over. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned Darius Geis. Uh, he is starting tonight, which I find very interesting that they're throwing him out there again in week three, which is considered the, the dress rehearsal. My hope is that he has a good game, and, and this kind of helps solidify him getting a decent shot at the starting job here. Because a lot of people have pretty much penciled Adrian Peterson into that starting role. Uh, you did mention the wide receivers as well, and this is a a hodgepodge group here, if, if, if I do say so myself. And what's been really surprising surprising to me is the limited worker or really the limited amount of times we've seen Terry McLaurin and Kelvin Harmon both guys who I mean Kelvin Harmon maybe not as much hype coming into these games as Terry McLaurin got and came through the draft especially after what he did in the senior bowl but neither one of these guys have really done much of anything so how do you guys see this wide receiver core shaping out because it really looks like from my point of view that it's going to be Paul Richardson Josh Doxson and probably Robert Davis which would be extremely surprising to me after everything we heard before the first game of the season. Well, you know, Dotson, Dotson, they didn't uh, extend the fifth-year tender to him, but he's he's their de facto number one. Richardson, they paid a lot of money to last year, um, so they want to give him every opportunity. And Trey Quinn has come on as the slot guy, so. I think they're actually fairly comfortable with those guys. I just don't think those guys are really that good. You know, Dotson, he needs to take a step like Tyler Boyd did last year. But I think he's more on the uh, Laquan Treadwell end of the spectrum as opposed to the Tyler Boyd end of the spectrum. Uh, I just don't think he's going to make make that leap. Uh, I think he'll spend the next few years after this contract is up bouncing around the league as a – you know, a journeyman wide receiver four, wide receiver five kind of guy. So McLaurin, he's, you know, the, him and uh, Harmon, they have to come on. Uh, it's going to de- depend, uh, you know, if they're not getting the reps in practice with the ones, you know, the writing's on the wall. They want to go into this, uh, into the game with the, uh, you know, with the veterans, especially, you know, and as I say this out loud and talk my way through it, I could see them wanting to go with the veterans 
if they if they're going to start Haskins to give him what they might perceive as a reliable uh, set of wide receivers. You know, and looking at their depth chart on our lads, I did just I totally forgot they did sign Donald Penn, uh, left tackle, who's a shell of what he was, but he could end up being that uh, uh, that that fill in while uh, Williams is out or until they get a replacement for Williams. Yeah, I had some preseason sleeper hopes for Trey Quinn, so I would like to see uh, him come on a little bit, but it's hard to have a lot of confidence or inspiration about the Redskins receiving core at this point. As for uh, Atlanta's side of things, I mean, obviously their their quarterback is is pretty much taken care of. We know Matt Ryan's going to be the guy. And their wide receivers and, and tight end are as well in Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Austin Hooper. And you also have Mohamed Sanu there who produces from time to time. Uh, we know that Devonta Freeman's going to be the guy, but can after everything we've seen from Quadri Allison so far this offseason, can he be a guy in that backfield or do you think it's still going to be Edo Smith? I think at this point it's going to come down to what Allison looks like tonight. He's been making steady progress, um, but Brian Hill is still playing well. Ito is still their number two. So I think we're looking at, you know, less of a, a coup and more of a long, slow, you know, Allison needing to work his way up by just being productive. Uh, when he gets the opportunity. I like Allison. I think of the three guys there uh, backing up Freeman, I think he's got the most talent. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch tonight to see, does he get any run with the ones? If not, if it, you know, because Freeman's not going to play, I would imagine. Um, if Smith doesn't produce much tonight, maybe they start to sprinkle him in. Yeah, I have high hopes. If you look at my rosters, you'll You'd know that. <laughs> I think a win right now for Quadri Allison would be making the roster, making the 53. Because once that happens with injuries, I mean, look at the injury history for Devonta Freeman. Even Edo Smith was banged up last year. Uh, and then, you know, anything can happen if you're on the squad and get a chance to get on and get in the game. But I think they probably will start the season with Edo Smith. As their number two. All right. On to Carolina and New England. For me, Carolina's most interesting thing is Cam Newton. He is debuting his new throwing motion, which I'm excited to see. Hopefully, this will help keep his shoulder healthy and lead to uh, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, CMC, having extremely productive games or seasons in the receiving game. Uh, and New England side of things, not much to go on here except for Josh Gordon, who, again, we talked about on Monday, was reinstated with the team. He will not be playing tonight, but it is believed that he will play in week four of the preseason. Either one of you guys have anything you want to talk about with the Panthers or the Patriots? Uh, for the Patriots, it would be kind of interesting to see what some of the other wide receivers look like. Um, I know... Marius Thomas finally got activated off Pup. I don't think he's going to play in this game either, but you know, he and Josh Gordon are looming out there. We pretty much know what Edelman's going to be. Um, this could be a last chance to kind of for Harry to show uh, what he can do or see if there's some other 
players in their passing game. I'm also curious what they're going to do at tight end. We know they signed Ben Watson and that he's going to miss the first four games. Um, kind of curious to see it, what they're going to do with that position, um, how much running backs are going to be involved. Running back for the New England Patriots is always a nightmare in terms of fantasy trying to yeah. figure out. It seemed like toward the end of last year, Sony Michelle had kind of established himself, uh, you know, in this if they treat it like a regular season preview, it'd be nice to get some sense of what the rotations might be and who comes in where, uh, even though that's always fluid with Belichick. And also just to see maybe how their defense uh, uh, plays tonight, knowing uh, all that's hanging, hanging over their heads with Patrick Chung and the developing situation with him and his legal troubles. Well, you brought up a, uh, an interesting point there, Matt, with, with Demarius Thomas. So I want to ask both of you, do you think Demarius Thomas being activated, uh, I would assume he has a very good chance of making the roster and the fact that they activated him. Uh, do you guys think that him being there hurts Jacoby Myers at all because he's kind of been the preseason darling uh, for the New England Patriots? I know a lot of people have been picking him up off their waiver wires in the past couple weeks because of what he's done in the first two weeks of the preseason. Um, I still think Demarius is probably likely uh, not going to be available for the first couple of games, may even start the season on pup. But I think he will definitely make the team. Josh McDaniels was the coach of the Broncos who drafted Demarius Thomas. He moved up to take Demarius Thomas in the first round. He's always loved Demarius Thomas. I thought that was kind of made sense as a landing spot given the, the coach and everything. And I think he's somebody that they're looking at long term as, you know, the Patriots don't really – concern i mean they take september games seriously but they're not about winning september they're about winning the super bowl and i think he's part of a long kind of long-term play um but you know he blew his achilles tendon after emmanuel sanders did uh last season that's typically a nine to 12 month injury it's been amazing to see sanders come back which i'm sure we'll talk about later but i would not be surprised if demarius thomas is not active for the first two or three games of the regular season yeah, I think some of their young guys like Braxton Berrios is starting to come along and Maurice Harris has shown well. And if uh, Josh Gordon is activated, which from everything it looks like, it looks like he will, you know, that's going to put their top five receivers as Edelman, Berrios, uh, Harris, Gordon, and Neal, top six. So, yeah, I, I see Myers maybe landing on the practice squad. Um well, Matthew Slater is going to make the team for special teams. Yeah. So, you know, obviously they're not going to put Nikhil Harry on the practice squad. But uh, uh, I, so. I doubt he'd make it through waivers onto the practice squad. Yeah, that, that, that was kind of why I was asking that because I know, like I said, I'm, as we talked a little off air, the amount of leagues that I'm in, I, I see a lot of the waiver emails that go through um, my my inbox uh, on Wednesdays, and all these people were, were grabbing Jacoby Myers because of what he's done. And I found that interesting that he, he might not even make the team now after what everybody thought was he's going to be like the guy or one of the guys there in New England for what he's done in the preseason. Next up, we've got the Baltimore Ravens and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, for Baltimore, I mean, Lamar Jackson, I've got to give it to him. He, he's looked fairly good so far this preseason. Uh, for me, I just want to see him continuing to look good. I would like to see him throw the ball a little bit more, uh, but I, I can't lie. He's, he's looked a lot better than I thought he was going to. And much like the the Washington Redskins, Baltimore has a just – 
hodgepodge of wide receivers as well. So before we go and talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, I want to get your guys' thoughts on how you think Baltimore's wide receivers line up with some of the rookies they have there. I know uh, early on in camp there was a lot of talk about uh, Miles Boykin and what he's been doing, but I haven't seen much talk about him. I haven't really seen much about Hollywood Brown at all, who was obviously their first-round pick and, and a guy a lot of people are very high on for what he did in college with Oklahoma. And then obviously you have Seth Roberts, Chris Moore, uh, Willie Sneed, Chris Moore, who's actually looked pretty good in both preseason games as well, though I think the touchdown p- pass he caught was from McSorley, not from Lamar. So how do you guys see this wide receiver uh, group coming together for the start of the regular season? Well, uh, you know, Marquise Brown was finally cleared, I think, to start taking part in team drills. So th- they may try to bring him along pretty slow just to make sure he's healthy. Uh, you know, Boykin is going to be in the mix for that wide receiver three, wide receiver four. Um, him and Jaleel Scott kind of matching up there. Mm-hmm. I think the starters are going to be uh, Sneed and Moore. And then uh, Seth Ro- veteran Seth Roberts in, in the slot. So it's going to come down to when will those young guys start to make their push. You know, when... Uh, Boykin gets a chance to go in in uh, you know 12 personnel or uh, 21 personnel. Is he gonna be able to bring the ball in and 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 make good plays? And there's nothing he's done in preseason and uh, OTAs to show to make us believe that he won't be able to do it. So if Brown keeps uh, you know kind of still working back slowly with that foot. I could see Boykin making a push. You know, it's the wide receiver three, wide receiver four. Uh, you know, Seth Roberts is nothing special. But I think Willie Sneed is much like uh, Mark Andrews. I think Willie Sneed is kind of that their uh, uh, safety blanket, that guy I know is always going to be there when I need him. And so I think Sneed's going to have a sneaky good year this year. Yeah, Sneed's probably the biggest name that stands out. I still feel like uh, the Baltimore passing game in general is going to be a little bit of a, a mystery. Um, I think it's going to be a record-setting passing game. <laughs> record <laughs> record low. Yeah, fewest, fewest passes attempted in the modern era. Well, and, you know, they, he's thrown a fair amount, you know, in the first couple of games probably more than people would have expected there's been a lot of jokes about you know it doesn't matter who plays wide receiver for them and obviously their most high profile guys uh you know crabtree um and john brown they let go uh, at the end of last year they they went with rookies they're trying to build younger guys um i'm more interested to actually see uh, what the running backs uh, can do, because usually a uh, mobile running quarterback can be a real boon to um, running backs. Um, Justice Hill is a guy that I've taken a lot of uh, shares of in Dynasty drafts. I was happy to see 10 for 49 and a touchdown last week. It would be nice to see uh, some of that work here. Um, kind of get a sense. They have a lot of backs, too, yeah. you know who might be part of the rotation. And I think the biggest piece of their passing game, the most hyped piece of their passing game, it seems to me all season has been the tight end, Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that we've really seen much of that in actual preseason games. So I'm kind of curious if that's actually 
going to come about. Um, there's going to be a lot of heartbroken people uh, if that relationship doesn't uh, bear any fruit. Oh, yeah. You've got two of them on this podcast right now that, that will be heartbroken. <laughs> me, and, uh, me and Dennis, I believe both. I know I had him, I believe, in my top five or six tight ends this season uh, when we did our tight end rankings, and I know Dennis had him pretty high, too. He, he had an amazing connection with him last year, and I think that's going to continue. I, I know I did a uh, – while Dennis was repping the podcast this past weekend at the Midwest Expo, I ended up joining a, another draft that, that pushed me to 33 uh, and I was—I uh, actually had Mark Andrews taken just ahead of he got picked the pick before me, so I ended up taking Ian Thomas. But I am much in love with Mark Andrews. Have been since he came out of Oklahoma. I, I'm hoping that that does continue, as you just talked about. On the Phillies side of things, uh, the, there's two rookies that I really want to talk about here. So everybody who's listened to this podcast for a while knows that I am a huge fan of Miles Sanders. You could call me somewhat of a fanboy of his. How soon do you think he takes over for Jordan Howard? Because I know that Jordan Howard is a good running back. I think he does get very underrated with what he's done. While he's not the most explosive and he's not going to give you anything in the receiving game, he's consistently put up numbers and scored touchdowns every year. And I would not be surprised if he doesn't get moved to more of a goal line back for Philadelphia. So do either one of you think that Miles Sanders has a chance to be the main starter or get the lion's share of, of a split in the backfield with them? Or do you think it stays pretty much a 50-50 split for most of the season? You want to go first, Matt? Well, I mean, can we even be sure it's going to be a 50-50 split? It feels like uh, Philadelphia has a thousand running backs, and uh, in years past, they've used them all. Um, it's another—they're almost like New England in terms of trying to trying to predict who's going to do what. Uh, so, I, you know, Sanders seems to have uh, quite a bit of talent. Um, Jordan Howard obviously was not somebody that the Bears could. Uh, make use of with their new scheme and they were happy to send off but um you know philly traded for him i think they're going to be curious to see what he's got we may actually just have to see in a few games um philly has always kind of struck me as a team that likes to ride the hot hand with running backs yeah i mean philadelphia was 20th in the league in rush attempts last year with 398 attempts um so that kind of makes it look like the leading rusher, if they get, you know, with all the backs they have, if their leading rusher has 225 carries, that's going to seem like a, a huge market share. I would expect, you know, looking at that number, probably the leading rusher for Philadelphia this year is going to have under 200 carries. So I, I could see a scenario where Jordan has some games where they're they're up and he's putting it away. You know they're riding him and riding him, letting him. You know, get his three and a half, four yards, four and a half yards. Uh, you know, Sanders's uh, fumbling issues haven't really popped up uh, in preseason, but he is a dynamic runner. So Philadelphia is gonna. It, it's it's really. I, I think it's gonna be a split. And I think those two are probably going to split 80% of the carries. It's just, you know, it's going to be, it's like having Deshaun Jackson, which they do, on your team for fantasy. 
you know, which one is going to have the, the – which one's getting 18 carries or 15 carries this week. That's going to – and I think that's going to be frustrating for some owners. Yeah, absolutely. So another rookie that's been getting a lot of, a lot of talk this preseason and in camp is, has been J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, uh, a guy that we have all been pretty high on as well uh, in this draft, and I love the landing spot for him in Philadelphia. They've been talking about how good he's been in the red zone. Now, we, we've both talked about on this podcast before, Dennis, that we don't think he's going to do much of this year because we think he's eventually going to replace Alshon Jeffrey. Jeffrey has come out and said that he wants to retire as an Eagle, or at least finish his career as an Eagle. Right now, he has a contract for the next three years. He will not be a, a free agent until the 2022 season. However... In the 2021 season, where he will be 31 years old, they do have a, a cap release hit of just uh, just under $3 million, pretty much. That, that's more than a manageable cap hit. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, I think, has been, while somewhat consistent, somewhat declining every single year. So do you guys think that Alshon Jeffrey remains the one for the next couple years? Do you think J.Jaw has a chance to to overtake that? Uh, for me, personally, I think he has a chance to be maybe not necessarily the one, but but the two uh, as early as next season. I wouldn't be surprised if they kept Alshon Jeffrey for a few years. I mean, he has had some injury issues. I think the one that seems more likely to go out of that group is Nelson Aguilar. Um, to move on and then how many years does Deshaun Jackson really have so there it it's possible that both could happen yeah I mean he's going into his eighth season Uh, he's probably going to be in the 90 target range 90 to 100 targets Uh, he had 120 targets two years ago but he's been under under 95 targets three of the last four years I, I see Peterson and Wentz uh, by default or by extension, I guess. Uh, you know, they're going to spread the ball around. They've got two amazing tight ends, and one of them gets an awful lot of targets. And Aguilar has started to come on finally as a slot guy. You know, it's when you look at the wide receivers there with Aguilar, Jeffrey, and Jackson, you know, they kind of look very similar and how their roles break down to what the Rams do. You've got your short guy, you've got your intermediate guy, and you've got your deep guy. And and uh, the Eagles have that same thing. They've got Aguilar in the slot, short. You've got Jeffrey in the intermediate. And then uh, D- Deshaun Jackson is your deep guy. So I, Doug Peterson's a smart coach. So I see him, uh, you know, maybe taking a shot at incorporating some of those concepts that McVay has into his offense. And the, and uh, Jeffrey's still having a good couple years in him. You know, he, he has had some health issues. Uh, he's missed uh, three at least three games in three of the last four seasons. So he's uh, – I like Jeffrey. I think he's going to have a good year. And I think eventually you're looking at him and, you know, maybe he kicks inside to the slot, uh, starts to play that big slot role and, and – uh, Whiteside moves out outside into his spot. Maybe not this year, but right, right. To, to get them both on the field. 
The next game up, we have the Green Bay Packers and the Oakland Raiders. Uh, for me on Green Bay side, uh, I just want to see Aaron Rodgers out there running this new offense with Matt LaFleur. Uh, we obviously were supposed to see that last week, but he was scratched last minute due to some back tightness. So would love to be able to see him out there uh, and seeing just kind of what he lo- he's looking good and what this new offense kind of looks like. Uh, and on the Oakland side, which I think is more interesting, a lot of talk from pundits all over the NFL, fantasy analysts everywhere, and that this could be Derek Carr's final season. I think that's where a lot of people have come from uh, on on necessarily, I shouldn't say hating, but being a little disappointed in everything that's happened with Antonio Brown this season because Derek Carr needs Antonio Brown to have a good season to possibly stay in Oakland. Uh, So what are your guys' thoughts on Carr? Uh, Do you think he has a chance to have a good year? And is the future of the franchise there when they move to Las Vegas? Or do you think that they tank for Tua or Justin Herbert in next year's draft? Well, I think next year's quarterback draft is deep enough that you don't necessarily have to tank for it. You know, you can still get a good guy in the middle or the, the towards the end of the first round. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure about Tua. You know, I look at his motion sometimes, and sometimes it looks a little uh, Tebowy and a little bit long. And so I get a little nervous about that. Can he straighten out the mechanics and make sure it's, it's consistently quick? You know, Jake Fromm's a good decision maker. You got Justin Herbert out there, you know, big kid with a big arm. And uh, the, uh, let's see, after the 19 season, you know, uh, going into 20, uh, Derek Carr has a $21.5 million cap hit with only $5 million of dead cap. So... Does it make sense to keep him keep him on after this season? You know, maybe not. But I think the thing they have going for them is that Mayock and Gruden have long contracts. And so if they want to start and bring a fresh quarterback, a first-round draft pick in to Vegas for year one, they can. Yeah. I think it comes down to how well does Carr play this year. And if he shows that uh, he can take that next step and, and uh, start to carry the team, then I think Gruden sticks with him because Gruden likes veterans. Yeah, I mean, I think they made a, a big deal about the uh, fact that he has already, Carr has already purchased a house in Las Vegas next to the house where Gruden bought a house in Las Vegas. Um, so obviously he's hopeful that he's going to continue on. They do have a pretty solid out in that contract next year. They'd only have $5 million in dead cap. Um, if they went one more year after that, they'd only have $2.5 million in dead cap if they wanted to let him go. I mean, this is a this is kind of a pivotal year. I understand it being a pivotal year for Derek Carr. A couple of years ago, he looked really uh, pretty good. The Raiders were on their way to winning the division. He broke his leg. Um, that didn't work out. And we've never really seen them bounce back uh, after that, you know, last year he probably gets a pass because it was a new system. They dumped uh, Michael Crabtree preseason. They dumped Mari Cooper during the season. Jordy Nelson was hardly ever healthy. I mean, he was basically out there thrown to Seth Roberts and Jared Cook. Uh, they didn't really have much of a running game. They didn't have much of a defense. So it was, you know, it's really hard to lay that all at the feet of Derek Carr. And there's a lot of questions about the team this year. If 
if he was starting a, a full season with Josh Jacobs and uh, Antonio Brown was in and ready to go and they had Tyrell Williams and they were building some excitement, I actually think their defense might be a little improved. Um, you know, you'd say, hey, I really need to see what Derek Carr can do. But there's still a lot of questions about that offense and about who he's going to have. And if Antonio Brown continues to be an issue and isn't there, you know, what is their passing game really? Um, you know, you have a lot of guys that you're hoping develop into something like Tyrell Williams has never really had to carry a team would suddenly be the number one beyond him. What, you know, what is Derek Carr throwing to Darren Waller? People are excited. He's kind of a sleeper tight end. I have pl- plenty of shares. I'm hoping we see something, but you know, he's never really had to carry that position. Josh Jacobs had a lot of promise, number one running back prospect in the draft, but he's never exactly carried a huge load in his college career. Uh, and you know, behind him, you have Jalen Richard. You, well, what do they really have in that offense? So, again, I think. You know, if they have a lot of weapons out there and Derek Carr just looks completely terrible or worse, looks bad, and they replace him with somebody like Nathan Peterman or Mike Lennon, who actually looks better, then I think that writes a finish to Derek Carr. But if not, I don't. I think it's really optimistic to think that Oakland would have any shot at the playoffs this year, even if everything broke right. They're in a really hard division. They're going to play a hard schedule. Um, so very Derek Carr could easily... Um, get a pass to go into Las Vegas uh, with them in 2020, even if he just has no Casey's. The last game on Thursday, we have probably the most uninteresting game, at least for me, this weekend in Jacksonville versus Miami. Jacksonville, obviously, we want to keep seeing if St. Nick can bring a new kind of uh, new offense here to Jacksonville and make them back into a Super Bowl contender, which we all thought they would be a couple years ago. Uh, Leonard Fournette, obviously, everybody looking for him to return to form. My biggest question for Jacksonville is DJ Chark and DD Westbrook, both young wide receivers that a lot of people have put some hype on, both getting a lot of talk out of camp. Do either one of you or do both of you think that they both have a chance to finish in the top 36 at wide receiver for fantasy with Nick Foles being their quarterback? So do they both have shots to finish at least as a wide receiver three in fantasy in 2019? I think the challenge is going to come from how for the wide receivers will come from how good is Leonard Burnett going to be. If he lives up to his offseason billing this season, he could push 300 carries and catch some passes too, and that could have a, a negative effect on wide receiver targets. So, if if he you know can stay healthy, got the bum ankle, you know he between uh, now and the beginning of the season doesn't spend all of his time at Buffalo Wild Wings uh, eating cheese fries uh, and bulking back up. You know he, he could really. It, you know I'm kind of in on Fournette right now where he's going and so i i like that so both of them finished in as a wide receiver three it's not outside the realm of possibilities but i i think it'll probably end up being uh just one of them as a wide wide receiver three i think it'll be uh uh, dd westbrook i also think it's likely just one and just westbrook i mean westbrook in that range last year with uh the shell formerly known as blake bortles as his quarterback so um, I think there's a pretty good chance he could do that. 
again, um, a bigger question too. There's still a lot of people seem to be projecting Conley to have um, a role in that offense. You know, what would that do uh, to targets for Shark? Um, and if they can successfully go back to having a pretty dominant running game, that was a formula that worked for them before. Um, be curious to see what their defense looks like and if they can get that going as well. All right, so moving on to the Friday games, uh, a game I wish I had a chance to watch this weekend but I likely won't be able to is the Cleveland Browns at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For the Browns side of things, obviously, I don't think there's many question marks. Obviously, we'd love to see Odell in a preseason game. He has yet to play. I imagine he's not playing in the fourth preseason game, so tomorrow would be, uh, um, yeah, tomorrow's game would be the one for him to play in. Just want to see, obviously, Baker and that offense look at, as good as they really ha- as they have so far this season uh, and get ready for the the season opener against Tennessee on Tampa Bay's side though there are a uh, a couple of interesting questions and I'm an idiot because I realized I just skipped all of Miami so we'll get back to Miami in a minute since we're already talking about Tampa Bay uh, much like we just talked about um, with I don't even remember who we talked about at the quarterback because my mind is is all over Derek Carr in Oakland is this Jameis Winston's possible final year in Tampa Bay, we know that they brought Bruce Arians in, who's supposed to be a, or not supposed to be, he is a very good offensive coach, even though Byron left, which is calling the plays, uh, really kind of to try and give Jameis Winston a, a chance to, to be the franchise quarterback. I think he's got a long way to go. At least he, it seems he's improved off the field. Uh, so do, you, do either one of you think that Jameis Winston is a, a free agent at the end of this season? I think it's certainly possible. I mean, what we saw last year, he had some high highs and some low lows. He threw 19 TDs, 2,992 yards in only 10 games, but he also threw 14 interceptions, took 27 sacks, and fumbled the ball seven times. I mean, that's always kind of been the issue with him. He looks really good at times, but he can look bad at times, and he's struggled with some off-field issues. So the question, I think, one of the reasons they brought Bruce Arians in and let Ryan Fitzpatrick go and brought in somebody like Blaine Gabbert, who's not a threat in any way to be the backup, is to say, hey, Jameis, this is your time. It's time to either do it or we know we need to move on. Yeah, it's certainly put up or shut up time for Jameis Winston. And uh, he can be every bit as bad as Blake Bortles. Uh, without the athleticism. So, you know, I, he's going to, right now, given uh, what their running game looks like, though, they're going to they're gonna throw it a lot. You know, they don't have a choice unless somebody comes out of nowhere and, and uh, you know, maybe Bruce Anderson, maybe, you know, Carlos Hyde gets cut and they pick him up. Uh, yeah, I'm a Hyde truther. Um, <laughs> so... You know, but there, there's going to be some some guys on the market here in a week or so, and you know the opportunity is going to be there for them to improve that rushing game. Um, yeah, they're saying all the right things. Yeah, uh, Barber's looking good. Yeah, Jones Jones is bigger and looking fast. He's catching the ball well. I mean, he still can't see the hole, but you know, Barber's nothing special. So. They're going to throw the ball. They've got two tight ends. They've got three wide receivers that are all good. And uh, it's going to be uh, an aerial show there. So it's it's really, I you know, 
I would have liked to have seen Todd Monken stay there the way he was putting the ball up there last year. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's put up or shut up time this year for uh, Jameis. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the last part on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before we jump back to Miami really quick, uh, Brashad Perriman, he kind of had a resurgence there at the end of last season with Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Uh, really a guy that looked like he was heading toward Bustville, uh, a first-round pick that just had not been able to do anything in Baltimore. Do you guys think he has a shot to do anything good this year? I've actually kind of come around on him and think that he could possibly be a very good wide receiver three for fantasy, especially with all the attention I think that's going to be headed toward Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I know there's a lot of weapons there with those two and then add in O.J. Howard at the tight end position, Uh, but I'm really starting to like Brashad Perriman this year, especially if he can continue to build upon what he did with the Browns last year. I think Perriman is going to, you know, get his 40 targets within, you know, 37-yard average depth of target. Uh, probably not convert many of them because it's just, it's a, you know, not, you're, you're just not going to convert as many. Um, I can see Godwin bumping outside and Justin Watson, who's a, who's more of a big slot guy, you know, maybe impeding uh, Perriman's comeback. Or I guess you know he was a, he he didn't really make it so I don't know if I'd call it a comeback. Um, but Perriman and Watson I think are going to be battling for that third wide receiver spot there, and it's it's I I, I don't think he's going to be fantasy relevant other than best ball. Yeah, I don't. It's hard to put a ton of stock in um, Rashad Perriman for me. I think uh, I like Evans. I like Godwin. Um, Curious to see if Howard can take a leap. I mean, his ADP is super high. He's gone to tight end four, like 57 off the board. So people have a lot of hype for him, too. Um, and it seems like, to me, they spent a lot of their offseason making bigger defensive signings and drafting defense. So, um, you know, will they be in as many shootouts as they had to be last year when they were just getting gashed up and down the field? I think Bruce Arians would like to play a more uh, balanced and controlled game. So um, I'm just not a huge Paraman believer. All right, fair enough. So back on to the Dolphins really quick. Obviously another one of the big QB battles here with Josh Rosen and Ryan's, Ryan Fitzpatrick. How do you guys see this quarterback battle playing out? Do you think Fitzpatrick wins it and Rosen eventually takes over? Rosen wins it, keeps it all year. Fitzpatrick wins it and he keeps it all year. I think they're going to flip back and forth. It's going to be a, a tough choice. Um, I, I just don't see either of them separating yet. Ultimately, I think Flores is going to want Rosen to take over, if for no other reason than Fitz is just old. And so I look at it as, you know, are they going to give Rosen uh, the reign? You know, honestly, I don't think either one of them are going to get a very long leash uh, to start the season. And so it's going to be a little bit of back and forth. We, we know Fitz, or, uh, Fitzgerald. Fitzpatrick has the mental fortitude to handle that. So we'll get to see if uh, Rosen does. Rosen is going to have to, it, it could play on his confidence a bit. And uh, if, if that happens, you know, you know, it could break him. But I think Flores coming from that 
uh, Belichick tree. He wants he wants his quarterback to be the most mentally tough player on that team, and uh, Rosen is going to have to do that. So I think for me this is really two uh, two different thought processes. If you're a fantasy player, I think you're hoping that uh, Fitzpatrick gets the call. Um, we saw how much fun it could be watching Fitzpatrick, especially for a team that's not very good, and I don't think any of us think Miami's going to be very good. Um, you know, he's going to go out there and just sling it and throw it all over the field, and that's probably the best from a fantasy standpoint. If you're a Dolphins fan, you're probably hoping Rosen shows out and gets the job because you're looking at the long term, and Fitzpatrick's definitely not going to be a long-term solution for that team so you need to see you know was Rosen worth the draft choice is he a prospect that's never going to develop or is he a guy that maybe didn't get a fair shake where he was in Arizona and can still be salvaged and if he is you could potentially have a franchise quarterback so for for their franchise and for their fans I'm sure they're hoping they get to see uh, Rosen step up and earn that job but from a fantasy perspective when I written i actually did the dolphins preview for the blog you know fitzpatrick would be who you would ideally want to see if you're hoping to get the most you can get out of those receivers all right so the last game on friday is between the buffalo bills and the detroit lions not much here really for the lions i think that they've done a solid job so far with their with uh, their team and everything they've done no real big battles there for Buffalo, uh, I guess the big question is LaShawn McCoy. A lot of us, including me and Dennis, thought that he would eventually get cut off this team. Do either one of you think that uh, he does, or does he stay with the team the whole season? And what does this mean for, for Devin Singletary's season, at least in 2019? Their running back situation just feels like a total mess because they still have McCoys. They still have Frank Gore. They still have TJ Yeldon, Singletary. Uh, and their best running back, of course, is Josh Allen, uh, based on last year. Um, I was kind of surprised McCoy stayed. Uh, I thought they might have moved on from him, but um, he must show them something or they must think he's worth hanging on to. I still wouldn't be surprised if one of those three veterans uh, gets released next week because it seems more than likely they'd want to keep Singletary and that he's going to be their future Um so I'll be curious to see who stays and what the rotation is. Buffalo is another team that has, uh, I would almost consider their offense the B-team all-stars at this point in time. You know, they went out and made splashy receiver signings of John Brown and Cole Beasley, which I'm sure inspire a lot of excitement. They have all those running backs I just mentioned. Um, I'll be curious to see. They, they have an incredible defense, so if their offense can be consistent and give them anything, they would have a chance. Um, that's a big question. Yeah, I, I still believe Shady's the one that's going to be hitting the road. Um, Yeldon is just a guy, but he adequately fills that running back three role that can catch some passes, be a change of pace back. Frank Gore is just as steady as she comes, and he's going to get 3.9 yards per carry and will work very well. He's going to dovetail very nicely with Devin Singletary's explosiveness uh, and show Singletary the ropes. Uh, I just don't think that McCoy is, you know, he hasn't really shown that that's 
that's the type of teammate that he is. You know, I could be totally wrong. I'm not in the locker room, but it feels like that's that's who Frank Gore is. And so I still think McCoy is going to uh, be shown the door. Uh, I like Singletary's explosiveness, and it'll be it'll it'll be interesting to watch. See, I actually think uh, Gore might be the one that gets cut. Oh, okay. Interesting. Very interesting. All right. So moving on to the Saturday games, the first one I've got on here is is probably the one I'm the most interested in watching, and that's the Arizona Cardinals versus the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, We've seen it for pretty much – all the past couple weeks, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury talking about how they're not really playing their offense. I know Dennis is not necessarily a big believer in Kyler. I'm, I'm interested to hear what Matt has to say about him. Just want to touch on two other things before we get your guys' opinion. Uh, not necessarily a big thing, but Hakeem Butler has gone down. That does hurt my feelings a little bit. He's one of my favorite wide receivers in this draft class, but I imagine he'll come back with the big 2020 season. And then Alexander Madison is getting a lot of talk for Minnesota. Coach is talking about how much they love him. I still don't think he has a huge role outside of Dalvin. Unless Dalvin Cook goes down, he'll get some work, but I don't think he steals much away from him. Uh, so if you guys, either one of you disagrees with that Madison take, please answer that as well. But your guys' thoughts on Kyler Murray, uh, do you think that with them talking about them necessarily playing a dummy offense that come week one he's going to look closer to the week one preseason game we saw or closer to week two this so far this preseason? I think uh, for Kyler Murray, it's not even so much him or the play call. Last week, uh, their line was a real problem, and him having protection and time was a real problem. Uh, They opened week one, I believe they host Detroit. Uh, Matt Patricia, plenty of uh, rushers and linemen there. So that's really, I think, going to be the bigger challenge for Kyler Murray. I'll be curious um, if Minnesota plays a lot of their first-team defense. They have a fairly stout defense as well um we need to see can arizona hold up better can they get him time can he complete some passes obviously they don't have a great deal of confidence in the receiver collection they have right now because they went out and signed crabtree uh to add to that group so it'll be interesting to see uh where they go with that yeah their their line uh you know they they lost a lot of starts to injuries last year and uh, getting them back this year doesn't seem to have really improved that line a whole heck of a lot. So it, I, I'd like for Murray to succeed. I don't know. You know, he's not. I, I don't. I don't see it. I, I'm not. He, he. It just doesn't seem like it, he doesn't feel like an NFL quarterback to me. And so, I, I want. I'd. I'd like to be wrong. You know. It's, but I don't bet on outliers very often. And he, he's definitely an outlier. So bringing in, you know, Crabtree is is the kind of, you know, him and Fitz, those are big guys that can fight for the ball. So if Murray is under pressure, now they're giving him guys that he can, uh, that he can just throw the ball in their direction and uh, they'll fight for it and get it. So if he gets rushed, that, that may help his confidence a little bit so it'll it'll be interesting to see uh i don't know if you just saw in the dql chat that legion of boom posted that uh marquise brown is playing tonight 
No, but that is that is very interesting. That is good to know. I, I might actually try and turn into some of that game. Uh, that was a good call on Crabtree. I forgot to bring up that he did sign that contract with the Cardinals after many speculated he was going to and then didn't, and now he is actually signed with them. Next up, we have Houston and Dallas. Uh, for Houston, Duke Johnson, I think, is the big question here and what kind of role he will have with Lamar Miller. Can he eventually take over the lead back role? Your guys' thoughts on Dukey? I think he's got the the skill to to be the primary, uh, but end up getting more total touches, but maybe splitting the carries evenly with another back. I I think uh, unfortunately in Cleveland he never and, and we had some decent offensive lines. He just never showed himself to be a great runner of the ball. I know he's the University of Miami's lead career rushing leader, but it just never translated to the NFL uh, the way his pass-catching ability did. So I like Duke. I actually have drafted him in a couple spots since the trade. So I, I think he's going to put up some you know, flexible numbers, flex start numbers this year. Um, I'm, I'm hoping, hoping to uh, you know, have that pay off. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people who have held Duke Johnson through the offseason were hoping uh, when he requested a trade that he would land somewhere where he might have a good opportunity. And I think Houston could present that kind of a, a good opportunity, especially with all the trouble they have keeping receivers healthy. Um, so, you know, we've seen Johnson put up some good numbers as a pass catcher, even in some poor offenses, you know, with um, Deshaun Watson and what they have in Houston, I think there's a chance that, like Dennis said, he could be a decent flex play from week to week. Um, what would be really interesting is to see if he can put up any kind of more interesting rushing numbers. Houston is a team that the, struggles a little bit with their own offensive line, and I think that's what's held Lamar Miller back a little bit the last couple of years. So um, it's not always a great place uh, for rushing. But um, with somebody who can catch passes like that, I'll be curious to see what he can do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and on the Ravens game, as you were talking about with Marquise Brown playing, I believe Lamar Jackson is actually sitting out. So that'll be interesting to to, to see how, how he plays with, I guess, Trace McSorley and, and RG3. On the Dallas side well, of things... actually brings up kind of an interesting thing. I've seen several teams post here uh, today that they aren't going to play starters at all yeah. tonight, um, even though this week has typically been the pre- the regular season preview, and we have all these things we're hoping to see. I wonder how much we're going to see for some of these teams. Well, I think a lot of it goes to, to the Rams model. So I believe it started last year. Sean McVay has not, did not play any of his starters almost the entire preseason, uh, and yeah. they've made it to the Super Bowl, and then they were even, almost to the Super Bowl the year before that. So I think a lot of it is them trying to get their guys uh, – Healthy into the season, I think, is, is the big thing. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. That is going to be interesting to see if we're even able to see some of the things that we're talking about today. For Dallas, the big question. So, Zeke was apparently offered a new contract today, according to Jerry Jones. Uh, not necessarily, It was top two running back money. So, uh, they pretty much – he's not going to make as much as Gurley, but he'll make more than Le'Veon Bell. I'm interested to see whether or not he takes that deal um, obviously, it's easy for me to sit here where I'm at and say he should uh, if he feels, and I, I do feel he deserves more money than Todd Gurley. Uh, I, I can see why he wouldn't take it. 
Um, but with that linked up is Tony Pollard. He he's obviously shown out decently here in the preseason. How do you think if Zeke accepts this deal, does it affect Tony Pollard's fantasy value? Does he have any value outside of Zeke not being there? Um, I think he's got Gio Bernard type of value with Zeke there. He's going to get some some passing game reps. He'll get a few carries. He's going to be the backup to change of pace guy. But as far as Zeke's contract goes or the contract offer, uh, he's not coming back for number two money. He's a year younger than Gurley. He's got about 250 fewer carries than Gurley. Uh, he doesn't have a bum knee like Gurley. Uh, even though I'm not terribly concerned about Gurley's knee this year. So there's no incentive for him to take second-best money. Uh, he's, he's better than Gurley right now. He's going to put up better numbers than Gurley. And so to think that he's going to go ahead and just uh, say, okay, I, that's fine, I'll, I'll come home, uh, I think is a little bit ludicrous, honestly. You know, even when you add targets in, let's see, he's got another 70 fewer targets than Gurley uh, and 50 fewer catches. So he's, he's you know, well under um, Gurley's wear level uh, at this point. So I, I don't think he takes it. I think he's, you know, Jerry blinked. That's what it comes down to. Jerry blinked. And it's it does it's it's going to turn into the whole, uh, you know, the quarterback fiasco where every time a quarterback's up for a contract, they they become the highest paid quarterback. Uh, unfortunately, uh, in this case, uh, unlike the, say the Kirk Cousins or some of those guys, uh, Zeke is the best running back, and and he should be the highest paid running back. So yeah, he's not taking it. So. Unless uh, unless the holdout continues, and I don't think it will. I, I think within within a week, I think they get the deal done, and, and Zeke comes back in, gets himself in shape. Uh, you know, he's already in shape, but he'll be. I think he's going to be back and ready to go for week one. Or I'm totally wrong. So, I think uh, in terms of Pollard, he's probably. Um a decent handcuff for me. I don't think he has the kind of value where I'd ever feel comfortable playing him. If Ezekiel Elliott is there, I'm less optimistic than Dennis. I think after hearing some of the back and forth comments, I, I think Zeke might actually be a couple weeks into the season before he's back uh, or possibly longer. Um, I thought they were going to get it done pretty quick, but it seems like they've kind of turned against each other a little bit. I heard some interesting arguments that the, Todd Gurley deal is actually a reason why teams are going to be more cautious with these big running backs and that a better uh, deal um, to look toward in terms of what teams are probably going to try to pattern things off is the Le'Veon Bell deal because Gurley got that huge contract making the highest paid running back and almost instantly broke down during the season last year and has some lingering and future concerns with his knee and i think that was team's biggest fear all along with giving massive contracts to running backs uh, a position where guys just seem to wear out quicker and be subject to some bigger injuries because of the pounding that they take and um, 
So I think that's probably a little bit where Dallas is, plus they have to try to figure out if they can keep the core of what could be a decent offense together because Amari Cooper is on the last year of his deal. Dak's on the last year of his deal. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, I think they're a little bit chafed that he's pulling this now because he has two more years left on his uh, contract, and they were hoping to try to get some of the rest of this settled. So uh, I'm not as optimistic as I was a couple weeks ago that they're going to get this done by the start of the regular season. All right, the next game on tap, we have the Chicago Bears and the Indianapolis Colts. We'll start with the Colts first here, actually. So, Devin Funches, do either one of you think that he is fantasy viable in 2019? If uh, Luck is playing, everybody on that team is fantasy viable. Agreed. I think Andrew Luck is really the, the linchpin in his health. And not really knowing where they're at, it's hard to gauge the value of a lot of their players. Yeah, that, we talked a lot about that on on the last podcast, but with luck and and I mean, I still think Jacoby Brissett will be decent, but obviously he is no Andrew Luck for the the Chicago Bears. I had mentioned this a, a couple weeks back. Uh, the past, I believe it was five years, there has been one rookie running back who has finished in the top ten of fantasy running backs. So for me, I know Dennis's is uh, Dennis's guy has always been David Montgomery. I think David Montgomery has the best chance. Do either one of you think he has, or, or he does? I don't even say have a chance. Do either one of you think he does finish as a top twelve running back in fantasy in twenty nineteen? <sighs> I don't think so. I think it's going to be close, um, but it's uh, I could I could see this being the year that uh, a rookie doesn't finish in the top twelve, or I could see it being the year that a rookie comes out of nowhere, uh, for lack of a better term, like Darwin Thompson or or Devin Singletary, uh, you know, and, and they end up being. Uh, you know, finishing in the top twelve, so it's. Uh, I, I think it. It's a big ask. I do think you know that the opportunity could be there if Montgomery produces and, and keeps Mike Davis uh, on the bench. I think Davis ends up being a handcuff unless Montgomery struggles. If Montgomery struggles, then it could turn into a timeshare. And, and that's, I think, what would prevent it from happening. Yeah, I don't think he's going to finish in the top 12 either. That's kind of a big ask. Although, you never know um, with the way injuries happen at that position. You can get some guys that end up working their way up there. But I think he's going to be splitting. I mean, we already know he's going to split time with Tarek Cohen. Uh, and then, you know, they, they brought in Mike Davis. Um, seems like a place where they might do some rotations and the bears offense, you know, we, we're getting more and more of these offenses where, um, it's hard to exactly rely on who they're going to feature week to week, um, mm-hmm. and what they're going to even try to do and attack week to week in the playoffs. It seemed like they finally started getting their passing game going a little. I'll be curious to see if they can continue that into this new season and Mitch Trubisky can take a step up as well. Uh, and with their defense, the figures to still be good. They may not have to put up a ton of points. All right, just a couple games left here. We got the New Orleans Saints and the New York Jets. For the Saints side of things, 
Uh, I just wanted to mention that Azikbo has looked very good and I think has a chance to possibly carve himself out a role here, while probably not a big one with Lat Murray likely taking over the Ingram role and then obviously Alvin Kamar being the stud that he is. I've liked what I've seen out of him. But Jared Cook, my question for you guys, and again, it's another thing I know where Dennis is going to go, but Matt, we have not talked about this yet. Do you guys think he has a shot in this offense, especially with the fact that Michael Thomas is really the only reputable pass catcher and, and reliable pass catcher? Why we all, or at least I know me and Dennis, love Ted Ginn. Uh, he is very boom or bust every single week. Do either one of you think Jared Cook has a chance to finish as a top five tight end in fantasy in 2019? I think he could. I mean, he was uh, he was going really good with the Raiders last year, and I think that's one of the reasons they went and got him. But uh, I think a bigger threat to him than any of the other receivers is the fact that Alvin Kamara is there. Because uh, Kamara and Thomas are going to eat a lot of targets uh, and eat a lot of receptions. So tight end, though, is a position that um, beyond the top you know, one to three guys – is wildly unpredictable, so there's definitely an opportunity, especially if that's uh, continues to be a high-powered uh, passing offense. You know, I certainly think that if you uh, if you if you wanted to place a wager, look at the odds and see uh, what what the odds are that Cook can finish as a top five tight end. If they're fairly high, it's definitely worth a shot at taking it because it you know. You haven't heard a whole lot of, about any of the other wide receivers in New Orleans this offseason. The one you've heard the most about has been Emmanuel Butler, and I don't think he's really going to – I don't know how viable Butler is going to be this year. I mean, he, he could step into a, you know the wide receiver two, wide receiver three role, but it does look like Cook is going to get the opportunity to be second or I guess third on the totem pole after Thomas and – um, Kamara. For the Jets side of things, I uh, just want to see, obviously, Sam Darnold continue to improve. He's done a very good job in, in so far this preseason. Uh, Robbie Anderson is a guy who really lit it up in the second half last year, had a really good connection with Sam Darnold. So over under for you guys, does he finish higher or lower than wide receiver 16 for fantasy in 2019? I'm going to say under. Um, I think he'll have a good year. I think it's going to be uh, a better offense. The real, the real wild card, I have to say, as somebody who has uh, approximately one million shares, I'm a little depressed that we don't get to see Le'Veon Bell at all in the preseason, especially since he hasn't played in over a year. I'm curious to see what his effect will be on that offense. And I also think Jamison Crowder um, will get uh, some targets and takeaway. I think Anderson will have a, a good year, but wide receiver 16 feels a little high for me. Okay. Yeah. I concur for all the things that Matt said. All right. Very interesting. I'm glad that you brought up Jamison Crowder. He's a guy who's going way too late in drafts, in my opinion. It, when he was healthy in Washington, uh, was an absolute stud for PPR uh, games, especially with Herndon sitting out the first couple games there. I think he could really, if he stays healthy, be a great addition for the Jets in that offense. 
The next game, we have the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. For San Francisco's side, I just want to hear your guys' opinion. Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, both getting a lot of talk in camp. I've liked more from what I've seen from Debo Samuel than Dante Pettis, but Pettis looks to be the one for them. Who would you rather have on this team for fantasy, Dante Pettis or Debo Samuel? I want Samuel. Yes, as do I. Uh, I watched that game last week. He looked incredibly fast. Yes. Yes, he did. And I got to give props to Dennis on that because he has been on him for a very long time. For the Kansas City side here, we saw a story come out yesterday that Darwin Thompson has leaped over Carlos Hyde. It was then kind of refuted and then reported back again. Regardless, Darwin Thompson has looked amazing so far this preseason. Dennis, I know you have been big on the Carlos Hyde train what are your guys' thoughts on Darwin Thompson going into 2019, especially since it seems both of you are not necessarily Damian Williams believers either? Yeah, I, I'm not into Williams at all. I think Darwin Thompson is going to have an opportunity. Um, I don't know if he'll be able to establish himself as the lead back uh, or the clear lead back in, in a Kareem Hunt type of way. I know Reed likes, if he's got a guy that can play that role, that's what he wants. Uh, Hyde is a steady Eddie guy. He's a grinder, a pounder. Um, you know, he doesn't have breakaway speed. And uh, so he can be consistent, but, I, you know, he's Hyde is kind of like a, a Lamar Miller type. He just keeps grinding away and grinding away. And, you know, at the end of the year, he's been, you know, a mediocre fantasy asset that has, has a couple good games, but has been startable. Uh, Thompson, you know, he's he's got some flash to his game. So if he can hold up, if he can take the beating, uh, you know, I, I can see him becoming the guy that leads the way there. Yeah, I, I know uh, Dennis is more of a fan of than I am so to me it seemed like just a matter of time before somebody leapfrogs him on the uh, depth chart I still have some hopes that uh, Williams can deliver on some of the promise that we saw at the end of last year but that's a uh, cautious optimism um, and I think Darwin Thompson is a great stash at this point in time I'm in a uh, vampire league where I'm the vampire and they left him and Samuel who we just talked about on the wi- oh waiver wire and I picked them both Stupid. up and thanked them <laughs> yep. That's I have ridiculous. them, I have Davis and Crowder almost everyone we've talked about here today I have on that team so I have some high hopes that I might uh, might not be terrible I mean I would imagine you'll be pretty good with that because you picked up uh, who is it, we, we talked about this Josh I know on Gordon. Monday, Josh Gordon yeah, yeah I knew Josh we talked Gordon. about I also somebody have Singletary um, so my my running backs week one will be um, well let's just say Peyton Barber's my RB one right now so <laughs> that, that <laughs> it leaves some room for improvement but I feel like I picked up a lot of those lottery tickets that's what that format's all about uh, so I would not be bummed out to see Darwin Thompson do well and places where I have Williams I've been handcuffing him with uh, Darwin Thompson because I just think with the small sample size and everything else it's hard to feel. Super confident that Williams is going to be the guy all season long. 
I don't disagree with you. All right, so the next up, we have the Denver Broncos and the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, two questions on Denver here. So, Philip Lindsay, obviously, I'm a, I'm a big believer, love Philip Lindsay and everything that he did last year. Over under as RB14 for the 2019 season? I'm going to say under. Um, okay. I think, you know. I, he was tracking right about that level last year. I think it's going to be probably more of an even split with uh, Freeman as long as Freeman stays healthy. Uh, I also think that Denver's passing game might be a little bit better. Um, so I'm going to say under. Yeah, I, I I don't think he finishes inside the top 14 either. Um, I think he, he may be a comfortable RB2 in the 18 to 20 range. Maybe even as high as 15, like just outside of it. But I don't think he cracks the top 14. All right. And then Emmanuel Sanders. So we obviously heard all the talk about him being healthier and and being ahead of schedule. Matt, you talked about it on a Monday's pod when we previewed the Monday Night Football game. Uh, I I did not – I saw highlights, obviously. I know he just had the one really big play and everything. But you being a Broncos fan, uh, how cool was it to see him out there and looking as good as he did? And if he continues to look that good, what do you think that means for his 2019 season for fantasy? Yeah, to me, he looked like he picked up right where he left off. The first offensive snap of the game was a five-yard outcut to him, and then they later ran an end-around. He took it for 19 yards. He had a long bomb along the sideline that he caught and came down with that was called back uh, due to a holding penalty, but I thought he looked really good. And because he was out there bringing energy, uh, I thought Sutton and Hamilton also looked really good. I think that's actually the best thing for both those young receivers is to have that veteran out there because then they can't double. You know, We saw a little bit after Sanders got hurt and they were doubling out on Sutton. He struggled a lot. I think for him and for his development, he would benefit from having Emmanuel out there. And I guess we're going to have to settle with hoping that the Denver offense looks as good as they did on Monday night because they've already announced they won't play any of their starters on any position on Saturday night, and they aren't going to play them in week four. Drew Locke is also out the rest of the preseason with a pretty severe right thumb sprain. Noah Fant is out with a sprained ankle, so if you are hoping to see anything from Denver, enjoy Kevin Hogan, and a lot of guys will be unemployed on September 2nd. Well, hey, and, and you called that on Monday. With, with them being in the Hall of Fame game, you said that you thought that Monday night Monday night game would be the last time we see the starters. So hopefully, you know, that's probably a good thing, like you were just mentioning, with some of the injuries they've suffered, allow those guys to get healthy over the next couple weeks before they have that big Monday night game, I believe the second of the doubleheader uh, against yep. the Oakland Raiders. Seattle and the Los Angeles Chargers are the last game of Saturday night. So we've really seen Rashad Penny taking a lot of hits here the past couple weeks and how bad he looked in that last game. As much as I like to pile on Rashad Penny and saying that I don't think he's that good, I do think he's more talented than what he showed in that game. But it really looks like Chris Carson is running away with his job. We talked about it a little bit on Monday. Let's give our final thoughts on this as the preseason is is ramping up. Your guys' thoughts on the, I, I would guess, say the timeshare in Seattle. Do you think it's going to be still a 50-50 split or how much more do you think Chris Carson is going to get over Rashad Penny? I think it's going to be 60 Carson, 40 Penny in the rush game, and 60 Penny, 40 Carson, and 
yeah, Forty Carson in the passing game. Okay. You know, look, watching that Seattle game, uh, what I saw of it, uh, you know, uh, Rashad Penny had a case of the Royce Freemans, and you know, every time he took the ball, the defense was standing right there in the backfield. So it, you know, it's hard to. It, I, I'm, I'm sounding like I'm making excuses, and as a truther, I'm, I guess I am. Uh, I do think Penny has a lot of talent. Uh, he needs to run the play as it's written up and stop looking to make everything a home run. Uh, he's a good pass catcher. But I do like Chris Carson, and, and they're going to run the ball probably 550 times this year. So the opportunity is there for both of them to, to have two over 200 carries. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that, uh, with what Dennis said. I think it's going to be a pretty even split, a little bit of an edge for Carson in terms of rushing and probably an edge for Penny in terms of passing. All right. And then uh, for the, the Chargers side here, so it really looks like Melvin Gordon's holdout is going to go into the season from all the reports that we're seeing. I know we did touch on this a little bit on Monday as well, uh, but final thoughts here, especially with a bunch of people getting ready for their redraft leagues and everything this weekend and next weekend. Austin Eckler, I believe we talked about it, is going as uh, around like the 70 mark in drafts and Justin Jackson going at, in the 100s. Uh, I talked about it on Monday. For me, give me Justin Jackson all day long. I, I think that he's not only going to be a better runner, but also can do a lot in the receiving game. Your guys' thoughts, if, if you had to pick one or the other this year, even, even if you were drafting both in the same spot, would you rather take Austin Eckler or Justin Jackson for the 2019 season while Gordon is out? I think uh, Jackson, to me, feels like the value pick. I would expect both uh, players' ADP to go uh, up significantly as more redraft leagues start this weekend and next weekend because I think it's become more and more clear that Gordon's going to miss significant time. I like, uh, I've been stashing Jackson a lot this summer, and I think my slight preference is toward him for the season. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Eck... Eckler is a, a good pass catcher and effective runner, mm-hmm. um, but Jackson just seems to have, you know, they're both about the same size, but Jackson seems to run just with a little bit more power, um, and Eckler's look does a little better out in space. Yeah. So I, I definitely feel that uh, the Chargers are much better set up in the with in the rushing game with a Gordon holdout. Uh, than the Cowboys are with an Elliott holdout. I I don't disagree with you on that. That that's a that's a good take for you because I, I haven't heard a lot of people talking about that. That is very true. All right, and then the last game on the docket for this weekend, and the only Sunday night game, or the only Sunday game, and it's a Sunday night football game, uh, is between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Titans. So for the Pittsburgh Steelers, what is your guys' thoughts on James Washington's value? Again, another guy we've talked about a little bit. Uh, I'm very high on him. I think Dante Moncrief um, is not going to do much. I think it's all going to be James Washington on the other side of Juju. What are your guys' thoughts on Washington for the 2019 season? I think Juju's going to get 200 targets. Probably. I don't disagree. (laughs) But Maybe 400. Yeah. I, I can see I could see fifty catches for Washington, fifty five catches maybe. Uh, I think Moncrief is going to play enough that he's going to probably 
get he he'd probably get if I'm right with uh, Washington Moncrief probably in the forty to forty five catches. Uh, I think it's uh, while Washington is coming on and, and looks good. Yeah. Moncrief is the guy that's been around the block. He's he's a he's Devin Funches, uh, just a little faster, or maybe a lot faster. You know, he's a big guy, uh, veteran player now, kind of knows how to be an NFL player. Uh, Washington's going into his second year, and while he's certainly not as wet behind the ears as he was last year. Still had some learning to do, and uh, uh, you know Ben, I think uh, likes Washington, and I think he's primed to be able to have a, a mini breakout, maybe, and prepare himself for a, a year three explosion. Yeah, I like James Washington um, this year. I have him stashed in a few dynasty leagues. It would be very. Uh, Make me feel very happy if he was the wide receiver, too. I also think if you're trying to take a shot on one of the Steelers' receivers, he's a better value in drafts because Moncrief's ADP is still higher based on his name mm-hmm. and his you know, past successes a few years ago. Um, so I'll be curious. I think that's a game that will be kind of fascinating to see if they actually play their starters uh, a decent amount to get an idea of what that first-team offense looks like. Uh, because there's, you know, the potential roles there. There's been a lot of talk all of the off season about the the roles and the possible split for Connor and Samuels too. Um, that would be one where I really hope they they play a half and we get a real sense of what their offense is going to be. Yeah, speaking of the the Connors and Samuels split there, how do you, do you guys think that we'll, we'll go talk just like the Carson in and, and the Penny one? Uh, do you think it's more of a fifty fifty split, or do you guys, uh, since you both agreed that Penny probably gets more in the receiving game, do you uh, do you guys think that's the way it goes in Pittsburgh as well with Connor and Samuel? I think Samuel is not nothing more than a handcuff to Connor, okay. uh, and a, an occasional passing down guy. Yeah, I mean, for all the talk that Samuel was going to have a huge role, I still think, you know, 80-20, 75-25 would probably be the most okay. that I would say. But, you know, it would be nice to see them play. Yeah, oh, I agree with you. And then the last question we are going to talk about here today is on the Tennessee Titans. Uh, is Derrick Henry for real? Anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I don't think so, so I want to get your guys' opinions. Your thoughts on Derrick Henry this year being the supposed workhorse for Tennessee. How valuable or how viable for fantasy do you think he is? RB1, RB2, RB3, what are your thoughts? Uh, RB3 for me, I'm not a Henry believer either. I think he's going to get enough volume to be a low-end RB two. Um, I, I don't. I'm not a believer in any way, shape, or form. But I, I think this year he, he's going to get volume. All right, fair enough. Well, everybody, thank you guys so much for listening to us. Uh, if you guys get a moment, moment. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And if you do so, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, screenshot it and send it to me or Dennis, and you guys can get a or you will get entered for a shot to win a signed Saquon Barkley Penn State jersey. That will be decided on Monday's episode, so I cannot wait for that. Um, before we get out of here, just to give you guys an idea, since this is really going to be the last 
week of, well, as Matt mentioned earlier, we might not even see all the starters, but not, I want to say real football, but more the dress rehearsals and all that stuff, the, the football that matters. We will discuss all the big breakout stuff on Monday, but we'll also do some other random stuff, probably talk a little bit about college football with the Miami-Florida games and other games going on this weekend, and then we will do the the uh, the first ever epi- or not episode, but the first ever talk about the fantasy movie league. Ma- Mr. Matthew Fox uh, is is very good at that and very into that stuff, and he's going to come on here and start giving us tips about that. I'm going to join one of those leagues myself, so I can get an idea of what he is talking about. We will preview that on Monday as well, just to give you guys uh, a heads up on that. So we're looking forward to that, and that will be a, an every Thursday thing going forward, but I'm going to do that on Monday since we ran a little long today. So, Matt, let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and if you have anything coming out with the FLA blog. I'm at uh, Nighthawk7734 on Twitter, so uh, you can hit me up. Uh, and I will uh, – I've been following back everyone who's been following me, so just to let you know, I will do that. And uh, I have a couple of – we're in the middle of our – season preview pieces uh i am doing the kansas city chiefs preview and you can read my more detailed thoughts on uh damian williams that actually publishes tomorrow and then um going through the rest of the afc west i wrote the denver broncos one which will publish on sunday and then dennis obviously let everybody know where they can find you on twitter and what's coming up with the dynasty nerds well, I am uh, at culture underscore coach on Twitter, and uh, I am uh, looking forward to a fantastic football season. Uh, I've got two more drafts left to go unless I do an odd best ball here or there, which it could happen. Actually, I take that back. Now that I think about it, I, we've got the, the Vegas draft out there that we'll be doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I keep forgetting about that one. Dang. Oh, oh well. Um, now, we've got the... You know, we're starting to roll out some Devi stuff over at Dynasty Nerds. You and Jared Wackerly, Garrett Price, uh, we got some weekly columns starting to come up with some Devi, uh, Devi material. Uh, Jared will be previewing the games on, on having an article come out on Fridays. Uh, FFB Vern, if you haven't followed him, uh, Vern in Maine, he's going to be doing some uh, – he's been – going through the scouting academy and i'm pretty stoked to be able to take a look at his work and get it out he's going to start uh taking a look at our rankings and uh the dynasty nerds rankings and sort of uh comparing that pick somebody that is you know maybe a little high and somebody a little low and compare him to his scouting stuff uh look at it through the eyes of a scout and see uh is dynasty nerds consensus rankings right or wrong so I'm pretty excited to see that come out. Yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome. Uh, speaking of Debbie stuff, I do have a. Uh, I've just about finished my my top one through five quarterbacks for the 2019 season, so that will be submitted and hopefully out sometime next week. And then my goal is to get both of the wide receivers done within the first week of of the college football season as well. So definitely check that stuff out. Um, and Jared is is awesome at Debbie. I know you were just talking about him, so definitely check his stuff out. I I got to preview his article about the the Miami Florida game that we'll see this Saturday, and it was awesome. So if you guys aren't following him, definitely follow him on Twitter and read his stuff because he he is a, a a Debbie savant as well. So guys, thank you so much for joining me today and, and talking a, a little bit of football, all the preseason three preseason week three stuff. Enjoy the football games tonight and this weekend, and we will talk again on Monday. Right on. Sounds good.